Some of y'all have heard me preach before, but if not, uh, just good friends of Pastor Randy and Linda. And what we do, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, we are the starters of Martin Ministries International. We travel all over the world preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. And so we, uh, we do that on a full-time basis. And it just happened to work out where this was the only open Sunday for us. And so it worked out well. Pastor Randy needs somebody this Sunday. I said, I can be there. And so we're honored to be here and to be with you. Uh, my wife, Mandy, uh, of 14 years, we've been married for 14 years, greets you, says welcome, and uh, wish she could be here with you. We just celebrated uh, uh, Friday our son's fourth birthday. So Ezra Mack, he turned four years old, so we're pumped about that. He told us he wanted a shark birthday. thought that was pretty cool. So we got all shark-themed stuff. My wife did, actually. She's the creative one. And... Uh, we were talking, my birthday comes up here in, in September, and he said to me, I love kids, he said, Dad, what uh, what birthday party do you want for yours, you know? I'll like, oh, do G.I. Joe or something, I don't know, but anyways. And then our daughter, uh, uh, Brooklyn, she'll, uh, she just turned two back in uh, July, June, and so we're blessed. We got a full house, living, it, living the dream, <clears throat> and enjoying life with two young kids, amen? A little sleep deprived, but we're enjoying life, amen? I <laughs> just... <laughs> Praise God. Well, I've got a great word with you uh, for you this morning. I want to dive right in and get into what the Lord has for us. If you have your Bibles this morning or your iPad, iPhone, turn, tap, whatever you need to do to Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to dive into the Word of God this morning. I believe that we're going to leave here changed. We're going to leave here equipped. We're going to leave here with ammunition that we need to stand against the forces of darkness. How many know that God's already given you the victory? Every time that you get underneath the washing of the water of the Word of God, whether it's in the house, whether it's in your car, wherever it may be where the Word of God is being preached, it is washing over your mind so that it becomes renewed to the will of God for your life. How many know that God's got a plan for you? There's a destiny, there's a purpose that he has for you. The Jeremiah 29, 11 says, it's for good and to give you a hope and a future. God's got something good for you. God's got a destiny for you. He's got something that he's, he's uh, created just for you to accomplish. And every time you get underneath the washing of the water of the word, every time you get underneath that presence, every time you position yourself to receive from him, he's planting on the inside of you everything that's needed to live in what Jesus has already purchased for you 2,000 years ago. A lot of times we're, we're going to God trying to get something from God. How many of y'all know that God's already done everything He's going to do for you? He's already done everything He's going to do for you. He already provided your healing. He's already provided your prosperity. He's already provided for you peace. He's already provided for you wisdom. Everything that you need. We're going to dive into some things this morning. God has already laid aside for you provision for your life. As I was praying for you this morning in my hotel room, I just sensed the, the, the Lord saying to this, you know, in Mark chapter 16, it says, preach the word, signs will follow. In short, preach the word, signs will follow. And I'm believing this morning, and I want you to connect your faith with me this morning, that you're going to leave here this morning with some ammunition. You're going to leave here with answers. How many of y'all have some questions? How many of y'all need counsel, direction? 
How many of y'all could use healing in your body? How many of y'all could use some, some financial increase into your life? Whatever it is, I want you to know that God, the preaching of the word, signs will follow. So you can leave here today knowing I'm going to get what I need to live my life. I'm going to get what I need to live my life. So be encouraged. Be uh, 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 encouraged this morning. God's got you. God's got you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. It's not my message, but I just want to encourage you for a minute because a lot of times the Bible says uh, in Galatians, he says, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get weary. What does weary mean? Don't become doubtful. See, when you saturate yourself with the knowledge of how much God loves you, what it does is it produces inside of you an understanding or a heart that knows that there's fulfillment in my life. Because the Bible says that perfect love does what? It casts out all fear. So if there's no fear in my life, then I can't. How do you know when you're walking in love? How do you know when you've saturated yourself in the love of God? You can't see your demise or your failure. Right now, you may be in a situation where it's like, man, if this thing doesn't turn around, if God doesn't do something supernatural, it's not going to work out. Something's going to, I'm going to, there's going to be a a bad outcome to this. But if you allow yourself, man, if you allow yourself to be drawn into the failure, it'll have an impact into your life. But if you allow the love of God to draw you, it'll say, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this. <clears throat> I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 8 says that love never fails. You begin to meditate on the love of God and how much he loves you. It'll produce an attitude of, I can't fail. I know it looks like this. I know they've said this, but I know my God loves me and I can not fail. And what you begin to do is renew your mind to where you walk around, not seeing how it's not going to happen, but you can't see how it won't happen. This thing's going to turn around for me. There's going to be a turnaround in my life. There's going to be a breakthrough in my life. You know, one of the things that I, I... uh, love thinking. I heard this scripture, this story in Second Kings chapter seven. It's talking about Elisha and the 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 uh, uh, Israel was surrounded by this this these armies and there was a siege on the city and uh, man it got so bad they weren't able to come in and out of the city that there was famine in the city. There, I mean they had nothing. I mean they were eating terrible things. You know whatever they were in survival mode. And I love what the prophet of the Lord said to them, the, uh, uh, Elisha. He said to this, and this is a word for somebody this morning. He said, by this time tomorrow, by this time tomorrow, everything's going to change. And one man, the, the, the captain of the guard spoke up and he said, man, even if God opened the windows of heaven, how could this thing be that everything could be changed? It was so bad, he couldn't see the outcome being something of success. He only saw failure. And Elisha said to him, you'll see it, but you won't partake of it. And the next day, there was so much wealth, there was so much blessing, there was so much provision that there was an instant turnaround in the circumstances of that city. And I would say to you this morning, it does not matter what it looks like there by this time tomorrow. And I say that to myself all the time. I've had that just this last week where things looked like 
it wasn't going to happen. And I kept thinking to myself, Dustin, by this time tomorrow, everything can change. Why? Because God begins at the impossible. When you find yourself in a situation that seems impossible, then you ought to jump, you ought to shout, you ought to rejoice. Why? Because now you're in the position for God to do something that man can't do so that he receives the honor and the glory in your life. By this time tomorrow. By this time tomorrow, you ought to say that. Let's say that today. Let's say it all together. One, two, three. By this time tomorrow, God could do something supernatural in your life. So be encouraged. Be uplifted. God's doing something new inside of you. I want to say this too. Hallelujah. We'll get to my message here in a moment. (laughs) The year... 2019 is not over yet. And the Lord spoke this in my heart the other morning in prayer. Man, I just began to text people that I know and love and have fellowship and relationship with. And I said, God's not done with 2019. The things that he's spoken to you, the things that have been declared over this church, things that have been deposited by his word on the inside that caused your spirit man to leap and go glory to God. It's January, 2019. I'm taking it. And all of a sudden now it's September 1st falls around the corner. And all of a sudden now every already just because of Hobby Lobby, they already got Christmas trees out and Santa Claus is, you know, Merry Christmas. You know, you're standing there greeting you already and your, your mind's already thinking about the new year and you're thinking the devil will begin to tell you your 2019's over and the word that God spoke to you is not coming to pass and that you might as well go ahead and just start thinking, well, that was last year and we got to start thinking about next year. I'm here today to tell you 2019 is not over yet and there is still fulfillment of everything that God has spoken to you you don't give up don't relinquish what he's spoken to you but make a decision i'm going to get everything that god's promised to me in this year so satan you might as well go ahead and tuck tail get out of the way because i don't want to have to get violent on you but i'm going to get mine i'm going to get what god's told me i'm going to see the word of god fulfilled in my life there's still fulfillment There's still things that God's wanting to do. Do not relinquish. Do not give up on what God has spoken to you. There's still time. And like we just said, by this time tomorrow. How many of y'all know God doesn't live in time? God's not moved by time. God's not, oh, rent was due yesterday? Oh, my bad. I didn't mean, you know, God's not moved by that. Now, you know, when I was uh, at Bible school, my mom and there was a song and she would always I'd call her. And, you know, I when I went off to Bible school, man, I, I went there on my own. My mom and dad said, we love you. God bless you. You're a grown man. We taught you everything. We we, we taught you. We're turning you over to God. Go do what God's told you to do, man. I went and got a 40 hour a week job. You know, it got me a place to live. I paid all my bills. So, man, I was I was living by faith. And I remember calling my parents several times. They're like, man, I don't know. They're like, let's believe God. Let's believe God. That's not what you want to hear when you're 18 years old. You want to hear, how much do you need, sweetheart? Let me write you a check. And there's times for that. But I'll tell you what, there were some times that I learned to trust the King of Kings and Lord of Lords because mom and dad weren't there to 
quickly pull me out of the fire. I had to stand there and go, God, if you're real, I need you. And there was time after time after time that as I put my faith and my trust in God, that I sat across uh, uh, dinner tables with people that didn't even hardly know me or hadn't seen me in years. And they said, hey, I feel like God's telling me to give something into your life. Taking care of my needs, supplying what I needed. But my mom used to sing this to me all the time. Uh, the Lord is never early. He's never late. Come on. That's why Stacy's singing, not me. Come on, somebody. Hit it. I got CDs out back here. My top hits. No, I'm just kidding. He's never early. He's never late. It takes courage. It takes faith. Trust him and see he's got all the power that you need. He's never, I'd I'd stand there, I'd say, mom, man, you know what? And she said, Dustin, he may never be early. He's never early, he's never late, which I I don't know if that's necessarily biblical, but the idea is he's outside of time, which means God's always on time. Because God lives in the ever-present now to make sure you have what you need. He's already been here. How many of y'all know he's already been here? You just got here. God's already done this day. He already saw you in this moment and in this place, and he made provision and he made, uh, uh, took care of all of your needs. By this time tomorrow, everything could change. Don't give up on 2019. Don't give up on the words God's spoken to you because there's still fulfillment. There's still fulfillment of everything that he's spoken to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did y'all enjoy that this morning? Praise God. Let's pray. We'll go home. Father, no, I'm just kidding. Here, turn, if you will, Exodus chapter 3. I'm a traveling guy, so, you know, it's hard for me. I come in, there's such a draw, there's such, you guys set up such a, a sweet presence of Jesus, the, the music, there's a hunger, there's a passion in this place. You come in here, you can sense, I love that Pastor Randy and Pastor Linda and them, they've set an atmosphere. You as a con, you're hungry. It, there's a, there's a tangible presence of the, a desiring of the things of God. So as a traveling guy, you come in and you sense that and it draws things out of you to speak to the church, to make sure you have what you need to continue flowing and operating and doing what God's called you to do. Amen. So sometimes I'm like, come on, Dustin, just stay on track here. But I'll leave Pastor Randy the job of doing series and point along, you know, line upon line. I got to come in, just take a quick moment to make sure God's saying to you what I'm supposed to say to you. Amen. Hallelujah. Exodus chapter 3. Let's run through this real quick. I do have some points I want to give you. Exodus chapter 3. Look at verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Herod, the uh, the mountain of God. Verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. I want you to notice I'm going to bring out some points or some thoughts that are in these verses that I want you to see, that God, the angel of the Lord, appeared to Moses in a flame of fire. Ezekiel chapter 1, 26-27 talks about that Ezekiel saw a man, the appearance of a man, and from the waist up, he was a flame of fire, and from the waist down, he was a flame of fire. Exodus chapter 13 and 21 that we know the story as Moses led the children of Israel out into the desert that God was with them by pillar by day and fire a fire by night. There's a Jesus. God is a consuming fire. We see this Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold the bush 
was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. In that verse 3, I want you to see turn aside. Everybody say turn aside. Turn aside. In looking at those words, turn aside, it literally means to turn off. It means departing from your planned course of action. Moses was doing his job. He was going about what he had done day after day after day with working for his father-in-law Jethro, leading these sheep to uh, around the wilderness. Today was the day they took him to the backside of the desert. And as he was just doing his job, as he was just going about his day-to-day operations, doing what he had done every other day, got there, all of a sudden there was something that was grabbing his attention, a fiery burning bush that was not consumed and the bible says as you study this out that moses saw it and he said to himself i'm going to turn aside or i'm going to depart my normal course of action my planned activity and see this thing one of the things i want you to see is that the 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 thing that i want to preach to and, and get across to you this morning the title of my message is Knowing God. And I'm going to show you three steps of some things, not mechanically or just uh, 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 procedure-wise of, okay, if I do these three things, I'll know God, but using them to cultivate an intimate relationship with God. Because every problem, every issue that you're facing in life right now can be answered and taken care of by just simply spending time in the presence of God. Communing with the Father. God, what job do I take? You need time in the presence of God. God, is this the spouse that you have for me? You need time in the presence of God. God, what am I supposed to do about this financial issue? God, this pressure that is on me so so big and so real. God, what am I supposed to do? You need time in the presence of God. Because see, the Bible tells us that man plans his ways, but God's counsel, that will stand. In other words, the counsel of God that he speaks you, the counsel that he gives you concerning your situation, will have the ability to stand the test of time. See, man have good ideas. They have good thoughts of this is how we're going to take care of this. But we forget sometimes to take a step back and say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? See, too many times in our lives, we're like Moses. We're going about our day. We're just doing our routine, our planned schedule. And there's times where God, and I'll show you this, is knocking. There's a calling. There's a a beckoning to you for you to turn aside, take the exit, and go off and spend time with Him. But because we get busy or we're determined, I'm going to accomplish this today, i got to stay focused, we bypass the burning bush. What would have happened if Moses would have looked and saw the burning bush and said, man, that looks wild. I mean, look at this thing. It's on fire. It's not consumed. But I can't get distracted with that. I've got to make sure the sheep stay together. I've got to take care of the sheep. They allow the duty of life, the responsibility, the schedule to speak louder than the call of God. Too many times we forget about what God's saying or we go about our day and we need to just stop and we need to 
take the detour. We need to take the exit and we need to go see what God is saying, what God is speaking, what God is wanting for your life. Because so many times we think we got it all figured out and God is going to save you time, heartache, and frustration if you'll quit trying to do it your way and you'll say, Father God, not my way, but Yahweh, (laughs) your way. God, what is it that you want me to do? And so he says he, he turned aside or he departed his planned course of action and see this great sight. Why does the bush burn, but not, is not burned? Verse four. So when the Lord, watch this. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him. Isn't that interesting? See, God's not, God's a gentleman. He's not a forcer. He doesn't push you. He leads you. God's leading and guiding you into all, all truth. He's leading. In other words, the Bible, if you, Isaiah chapter 58, 8, it talks about my righteousness will go before you. Everything about Jesus. Jesus is not in, in the context of what we're saying this morning. He is not behind you driving you. Come on. Hey, let's go. Hey, he's not pushing you. He's leading you. What is so important about that, anytime you feel pressure in your life to do something where there's no peace, it's not God. Why? Because God leaves by peace, not by pressure. Act now. Don't delay. If you don't do this, you'll miss out. I guess I'm going to miss out. Because I'm not moved by pressure. I'm moved by peace. I know it's the right step. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Why? Because I have confidence because of what God's spoken to me. He's leading me and guiding me into this place, into this position. And it's so amazing that when God saw that he, that Moses decided to turn aside, that's when God began to call to him. Because he's a gentleman. Again, which this implies that I love is so, this is so unique is that if Moses hadn't turned, would God have spoken to him? What would have happened if he just said, I don't have time. I got the sheep. Love it. Cool illustration. Gotta go. How many times in our lives have we missed what God was wanting to communicate and speak to us, having intimate fellowship with him, something that it could have radically changed our lives because we were unwilling to depart our planned course of action to spend time with him. To get alone with him. Man, God is is constantly wooing me and drawing me. Uh, when we stepped out into do Martin Ministries, what we're doing, uh, uh, 2012, we launched out and, and to start Martin Ministries International, the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Dustin, you can't give what you don't have and you can't talk about what you don't know. He said, it takes time to have something to say. He goes, there's a lot of people speaking, but they don't have, there, there are a lot of people speaking, but they have nothing to say. Why? Because it takes time in his presence and spending time face to face with him to have words to speak of what he wants you to say. Not just for a minister, for your everyday life. How many of you know your rule, life and death are in the power of your tongue? God is also constantly reminding me of this. He says, Dustin, don't speak your words, speak my words. Why? Because God doesn't watch over your complaint. He watches over his word to perform it in your life. So what the devil wants to do is get you to use your authority, your ability, God-given ability, and take 
the doubt, the complaint, the worry, the frustration, and declare that so that he can bring about his will of destruction in your life rather than you saying, I know it looks like this, but I will declare the word of God and you begin to speak, you begin to praise, you begin to magnify God. Why? Because it feels good? No, sometimes your flesh hates that. The best time to magnify God is when your flesh says, I don't want to do it. Turn on the TV. Just go against everything. Rebel against the flesh and stand up and say, I know I don't want to do this. It looks silly, but I'm going to magnify God right now and I'm going to release my authority. Why? So that that, that God watching over his world can release the spirit of God into your circumstance and things can begin to happen. God can begin to move and work on your behalf. And so many times we, we forget to get away or we don't turn off and we don't get his word to speak over the situation because it will just take a moment to stop what we're doing. God will give you something to say about the situation that you're facing. God, how do I handle this? Is anybody in a situation like you have? How do I handle this? Man, if I don't know, I don't know how to handle this situation. I'll, I'll raise both my hands and a foot. It's like there's always things going on in life where it's like, God, you come up to it and you're like, another brain buster. <laughs> how do you handle this? God's over here. Illustration, burning bush going, hey, yo, <laughs> I got some things to say and I'll give you some wisdom. Because what's the what is the solution to being double minded? You know what double-minded is? The Bible says in James, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What's double-minded? You're looking at the problem, then you're looking at the promise. You're looking at the problem, looking at the promise. What are you supposed to do? Just keep your eyes on Jesus. And if you'll get into his presence, he'll begin to give you words to speak that do what? That gives you the ability that when you're faced with something, you can stand up and go, I know what I want to say. But God's already given me words. And as I speak those words, God watches over them. And all of a sudden, there's change in my life. Why? Because God watches over his, his word to perform in your life. We took the exit to get in the presence of God. Let's continue in, word, uh, in verse 5 there. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. I want to bring this out real quick and we're going to move on for the sake of time. Why was the ground where he was standing holy? Because God had come near to it and occupied it. There was nothing special about the ground in and of itself, but because God had drawn near to it and occupied that place, it becomes holy. You are holy. Oh, brother, hold on a minute. You don't know what I did. I'm, you know, I'm barely holding on here. I don't, just glad I get to go to heaven. No, you are holy. Why? Because God has come near to you and has occupied you. Guess who lives on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. God has come near to you and has occupied you with the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, the reason he told uh, Moses to take off his shoes is for this reason. Listen to this. God told Moses to remove his shoes because shoes are the means of intercourse with the world. 
The age through which the flesh or nature does its will and moves about and does its work. In standing upon holy ground, all of the flesh must be put away. There must be the putting off of the old man, Ephesians 4 verse 22. Putting off of the old man, taking off the shoes or the, the natural flesh, that thing. You'll never approach God in who you are or what you've done. You must be putting off of the old man. But if you continue reading Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24, it says, but putting on the new man. I don't approach God. Take off your shoes. Why? You're not going to approach me in who you are. You're not going to come before God and Him go, Whoa, look at you. You fly. You know, you're awesome. No, you're going to take off your shoes and you're going to stand before Him on holy ground because of what Christ has done in you and through you. I'm standing here because of Jesus, not because of me. We become, listen to this, we become barefooted priests. Second Peter chapter two and verse nine talks about you are a holy people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You become barefooted priest unto God. What does that mean? That I'm taking off my self-reliance, everything that tries to make me, I feel good today before God. Why? Because man, I haven't hung out with anybody bad. I haven't said nothing wrong. I've actually loved on my wife. Man, I'm doing good. Why? So because I'm doing good, man, I can come in and go, woo, me and God are tight. We walk into church Sunday morning, skipping and hopping. Hey, go, whoa, man, I'm feeling good. Why? Because I've done everything just right. Dotted my I's, crossed my T's. Man, I'm living holy. Glory to God. And then all of a sudden you mess up, you trip up, and the devil comes to come in and say, now you can't approach God because of what you've done. And all of a sudden you stop coming to church. You kind of hide. You don't want nobody to see. Hey, no good. I gotta go. You're running around. Why? Because you messed up. And what the devil's trying to get, you don't run from God, you run to God. Because why? I'm a barefooted priest. My shoes are off of what I've done, what I've accomplished. I'm coming before him because he's a holy God and I love him and I know that he loves me. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. Why? So that I can have union and fellowship with him. See, so many times we preach about Jesus producing liberty or freedom from sin and death. But we forget to continue the sentence, which is the reason or the purpose of liberty or freedom is for fellowship and interaction and communion with God. Why did God deliver you from death, hell, and the grave? Why have you become a forgiven saint of God, made the righteousness of God? What was the purpose? It was for you now to become a barefooted priest that is sensitive to every leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit of what He wants you to do in your life and having this communion and this fellowship with God. Why? Because the enmity, the war between you and God is over. God's not mad at you. God's not judging you. He loves you. 
He's embraced you. Listen, think about this thought. Adam in the garden of Eden, when he sinned, he did the ultimate sin and committed high treason against God. God did not come in the garden starting to bark judgment at Adam. The first response when Adam fell in the garden was not, how dare you sin against me, you unclean creature. Wasn't God's judgment. He said, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Because Adam sinned, his first response was, God, I hit, I, I heard you. And because I heard you, I hid myself. Why? Because I was afraid. You can see the sin nature had dominated and had stripped Adam of all the glory and all of the knowledge of who God was. And instead of embracing God, sin caused him to run from God and hide. But God wasn't sitting there judging him. He sat there and said, where are I want to encourage you today. God is not judging you. He laid all judgment upon Jesus 2,000 years ago. If there's anything that God's speaking to you, if there's anything that God's crying out to you today, it's simply this, where, where are you? We know God knows where we are. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. But your liberty from sin was to call you into a place of fellowship and relationship with Him. I want to encourage you. Cultivate your, your fellowship. Cultivate your relationship with God. You don't read your Bible so you can put a star on the calendar and go, read my chapter, read my 10 verses today. Glory to God. Man, I'm really cooking. You read the Bible. Why? Because it is the, the uh, Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's alive. And as you spend time in the presence of God reading his word, it renews your mind. It's your way of confession fellowshipping and communing with the Father. I read my Bible, why? Because I love God. I want to know more about my God. I mean, I'm in this, this place right now in my life. I had a pastor when he first stepped out to launch Martin Ministries. We were just traveling around, meeting, greeting, talking to pastors, really just believing God for opportunity. And this pastor asked me a question. He said, Dustin, what's your message? As a traveling guy, what's your message? You know, man, I was new out the gate. My mind went blank. I was like, what's my message? Oh, man, that's like asking a, you know, a 10-year-old, what are you going to do the rest of your life? I, 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 I don't, you don't know? You know, you're like, no, I just want to go play. You know, There's, what is your message? And out of my heart, before I knew it, came these words, to know God. Listen to this statement. This is jumping at the end of my... I got enough here to preach for a week, but listen. Listen to these words. Before there is a becoming, before there's a building or a, a battle that must be won, there must be a knowing. Before there's a, before there's a becoming, belonging, battle, before there's any kind of answer to the prayer, anytime that there's any kind of, uh, you know, when God, when God told Moses to go get the children of Israel out of Egypt, what did he tell him to tell Pharaoh? Let my people go so they can what? It wasn't to possess the promised land. That came after, let my people go that they can go into the wilderness and what? Worship. Serve. What is that? Know me. 
The first step in any, in any area of your Christian life is not becoming something. It's not, it's not finding this big calling, this big destiny. It's just simply acknowledging who God is. Proverbs chapter three and verse five. In all your ways, acknowledge me. Turn. Excuse me. Turn aside. Leave your course of action and get your eyes on me. Why? Because I want you to know me. So many times we're trying, listen, before you're a, you know, I, I would say this to ministers and even in a career that you're in, before you're a lawyer, a doctor, a minister, a builder, service worker, whatever it is that you do, before you are that, you are a son and daughter of God. I love my son. I love my daughter before they ever become something. I love them. I love them for who they are. So many times in life, we're trying to get God to get excited about who we are by what we do and what we accomplish. Look what I did, God. Look what I, and God's like, man, I'm excited about that. But you know what really excites me more than anything is the fact that you and I have fellowship and communion together. You can't give what you don't know. What you don't have, you can't talk about what you don't know. So many times in life, we become stumped with the world's responses. Why? Because we don't know how God would respond to that thing. If we know God, then our responses become easy and confident. We say it with boldness. Why? Because we know God. Let me give you these three things, and then we're going to wrap up. Oh, man, it's 12 o'clock. Glory to God. All right, I'll give these to you real quick. I'm done. <laughs> Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14. Y'all enjoyed this this morning? Did you get something out of it? Amen. Exodus 34, 14. And the NLT, listen to this. For he, speaking of God, is a God who is passionate about his relationship with you. I just want that to sink in this morning. So many times you're trying to impress God with this. God, I, I love you. God, look, look what I'm doing. God, and God's, more passionate about his relationship with you than you are of him. First John tells us we love God. Why? Because he first loved us. Our anything that we do for God is nothing more than a response of what he's already shown and revealed to us. The, the fact that you're here this morning is nothing more than a response of how valuable and how big God is in your life. That that says, I'm going to get myself up, I'm going to get dressed, and I'm going to church. Why? Because I have a God that loves me. This is valuable to me. Why? I love getting together with other believers in a corporate setting and allowing God to wash over me and just get, just place everything that I need for this next week on the inside. It becomes value. Because what you value, you'll treasure. What you value, you protect. I love and value my wife. So there's a natural response of protection for her. If somebody comes up and messes with Mandy, <laughs> there's not really any discussion. Come on, man. Come on, somebody help me out here. I'm not going to, oh, hey, don't mess with her. <laughs> you know. We're going to have words, even if he's big boy. Hey, I got to, you know, pack a lunch. It's going to be an all day tussle. I'm going to do my best to protect my wife. Why? Because I value her. When you value your relationship with God, you, you begin to protect the time that it takes to make sure that it is operating, 
functioning and alive and vibrant. So look at this. Step number one in in knowing God. Number one, there is a coming to God. There is a response to God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. Your first response to knowing God is believing that he is and taking that course of action, like we've already mentioned, to approach God, acknowledge God, speak with God. Spending time in His presence. God is calling what will be your response. Moses turned aside. I like uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3. God's calling out to him. Samuel, Samuel. He gets up, goes into Eli. Eli, are you calling me? No, go back to bed. I ain't call you. It happens three times. The the third time, Eli, the high priest, tells him, hey, next time, say this. uh, Lord, your servant, speak. Your servant, I love this. It doesn't say listens, it says he hears. There's something that happens when God's calling. What will be your response? Will there be a turning aside? Will there be a, Father God, speak. I'm listening. I'm hearing. I'm ready to hear. Give me words. Number two. Step number two in knowing God is hearing his voice. All three of these really are separated for study, but work intricately together, unifying to produce an intimate relationship with God. Step number one is coming to God. Step number two is hearing his voice. John chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. I'm going to quote it just for the sake of time. But God, Jesus is saying, My sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. Quit saying, God never speaks to me. I never hear God. That sounds like Andrew Womack. I'm not desperate for God. I got all the God I need. Quit saying I don't hear God. What? You're His sheep. God hears you. I hear God's voice. Listen, God said this to me, Dustin. He said, to perfect hearing, you must be in the Word of God. You ought to write that down. To perfect hearing, you need to be in the Word of God. You need time in the Word of God. Why? I love this. Because God speaks the same way He writes. When this is planted in your heart, this is what's in your in your eyes and in your ears and coming out of your mouth. You're meditating in this day and night. This is what you're thinking about. This is what you're talking about. This is your response to everyday life. It becomes easy to hear the voice of God. Why? Because God speaks the same way He writes. I'm coming to God. And in then that response, remember it says with Moses, he turned aside to see. And when God saw that he uh, that he turned aside, he began to speak. When you take that coming to God first step, the next step is there will be a conversation. When you don't know what to do, take a step towards God, come to God, and then enjoy the conversation because God, as he sees that you're approaching, he'll begin to speak and he'll begin to reveal and he'll begin to declare divine secrets and hidden truths to you in your life. Step number three, come to God. Number two, hear his voice. Number three, practice his presence. I love 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of Jesus. If I could, uh, Miss Stacy, if I can have the uh, maybe the keys or something in the background. I want to do something today and we're going to wrap this up. But um, 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of Jesus, the love of God. This is a paraphrase. Watch this. The communion and fellowship of the Holy Spirit. 
It's the grace of Jesus, the unearned, unmerited favor, the love of God that does what? It positions you in place to have fellowship with the Spirit of God. What's God saying to you today? What's God speaking to you? What is it that God's impressing in your life to take a step towards? What will be your response to God's calling? What will be your response to what God's... There's a drawing, there's a calling. God is always wooing and calling His people unto Himself. That was the whole thing. Let my people go. Why? Because I want them. I'm wooing them and drawing them unto myself. God is calling you. I want to say this. The atmosphere of your life is up to you. The atmosphere of your life. I don't, man, my life right now is just chaotic. Watch this. God spoke this to me. He says, Dustin, what you draw near has the ability to influence you. So if you are allowing the problem, if you are allowing the pressure, if you're allowing the, the chaos, the noise, the anxiety, the fear to draw you, it will influence you to the degree that you begin to respond out of what draws you. Because what draws you and what you draw near to will influence you and impact you. That's why I say this, you cannot have time in the presence of God and not See change. In the presence of God, there is the fullness of joy. In His presence is the fullness of joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's your strength. So what you draw near to has the ability to impact you. Well, I don't like what, what's going on right now. You need to check and evaluate what you're drawing to. What's drawing you? Fear? Lack? Man, you don't get a couple more hundred bucks, man. This is all going to fall apart, man. If you don't get another job, another assignment, if you don't get another contract, if you don't get this job, if you don't get this, man, it's all going to fall apart and it's never going to happen for you. If you draw near to that, it'll influence you to where you begin to think, speak, and act against the, uh, against the will and the purpose of God for your life. That's, true. That's why James chapter 4 says this. He says, draw near to me, And I will draw near to you. I want you to see in this life, if you'll draw near to God, depart your course of action, take that first step and acknowledge Him, begin to have a a God, I believe that you exist. The end of that verse, Hebrews 11, 6, they, uh, without faith, it's impossible to please God for they that come to God must what? Must believe that He, He is and then what? He's a rewarder of those that do what? Seek Him diligently seek him. See, there's a reward that is awaiting your decision to take that step to come to God, fellowship with God, and then begin to practice the presence of God. What's practicing the presence of God? Just knowing, God, you're here. I'm not, I know there's the omnipresence of God. God's everywhere. Psalms 139 tells us that. It doesn't matter where I go, high, low, east, or west. God's there. We're not talking about omnipresence. We're talking about the manifested presence of God. Because I know you're with me. Because I'm I'm aware of your presence in my life. There are manifestations of your glory everywhere I go. Everything that I do. God's moving. God's activating. God's strategically positioning and making provision for every area of my life. What is this? This is the confidence that comes from knowing 
God. 